The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Matt Side. I'm your host, Richard Anderson Mann. This past Friday featured the third official and fourth overall collegiate match between Zahid Valencia and Mark Hall. While Valencia had won the previous two matches, Hall took control of this match and won it by a decisive 4-0 score. To discuss this match and all things Penn State, I am joined by the deputy editor of Black Shoe Diaries and contributor to the open match. He is Clay Sourteague. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be on with you. Glad you could have me on. And uh, looking forward to talk about some really good wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. So the match was um, at Rec Hall on Friday at Penn State. Mark Hall won 4-0. He got a takedown and a ride out in the second and then rode out in the third. What's your like high-level takeaway of this match? I think I, I, I try to be as level-headed and objective as I can, but you looked at the last match, Valencia won 8-2. This match, Hall takes 4 nothing. I think my biggest takeaway is that despite two somewhat wide margins of victory, neither is six or four points better than the other. And I think we're we're kind of – I don't know whether we know the better of the two wrestlers in, is at this moment. But there was definitely a big change in terms of game plan for Hall. All right. Talk a little bit about what you think the difference in game plan was because I think that he seemed to be defensive as per usual, but I think he was much more – um, apt to counter quickly, and I thought that was a little bit of a difference. Did you see the same? Yeah, I think definitely in that in that first period, you saw a few reattacks, even if they weren't committed attempts, just giving Valencia something to think about, so to know he can't just shoot nonstop, which is kind of what he tends to do, thinking, well, if I get scored on, I'm going to be able to score on you. Uh, we talked before we came on the air, you mentioned that you felt Valencia took a little less shots. I, I thought that was the case as well. Hall did a really good job in the tie, kind of keeping Valencia tied up. I thought you saw a bit more of a square stance from Hall, uh, trying to keep keep Valencia off the leg. But but in all, I mean, like I said, I, I try, I, I outwardly admit, I'm a Penn State graduate, I am a Penn State fan, and I try to be as objective as I can, but I think you look back at the last couple of years, or even this run with Penn State, their assistance, in particular, when it comes to big matches, or as good as anyone in the country at game planning for a single match. You saw it with Vincenzo Joseph and Isaiah Martinez. You saw it uh, with Bo Nickel and Gabe Dean. Uh, I think that uh, they really do a good job of film study and finding out ways to put their wrestlers in the most successful positions. Yeah, and I thought two things that were sort of, I don't think Valencia really is expected, was the heavy hands on the feet. I thought that he really, Mark Hall, really like was owning the ties and you know getting in his licks when he could. And I think that that was partially responsible for slowing down some of Valencia's neutral attack. And then I think at the end of the second and the third, his ability to ride, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. And he had like a bit of a Turk there at the end and almost turned him. And I think that um, yeah, it's a 4 nothing match, but if Valencia gets away in the first 30 seconds of the third period, it's an entirely different match. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, that Paul put on a much harder ride than Valencia may have expected, or even any of us may have expected. There was talk in the offseason with Paul about him putting on some good weight, putting on some muscle. I don't think it's necessarily evident in terms of his frame, but he certainly looked uh, a bit stronger. Um, we saw him ride out Bo Jordan last year, but Bo had kind of 
been prone to, to being written a bit. We have not seen that before with, with Valencia. So, Paul, very heavy, uh, a lot of forward pressure. Um, and I, I definitely think he wanted to turn this into, it wasn't an ugly match, but he wanted to make it as physical as possible. Right. And so let's say we're in the Anthony, I'm sorry, the Zahid Valencia camp over at Arizona State. And we talked about Penn State assistants being able to come up with a game plan. What do you think is the next chess move? Because I think that maybe the shoot, shoot, shoot style that Zahid had used in the past might not work if Hall is able to, you know, come with a solid stance and keep position the way he did in this. So what do you think the, the move on their part will be for the next match, presumably in Pittsburgh for the national title? I think, I mean, I went back today after re-watching Friday's match and went back and watched their finals match. And where Zahid had a little more success is when he finished shot, he wasn't, I mean, he, he shot a swing single, I think it was, for his first takedown. Uh, and his last takedown, he got out from under underneath the hips of Hall, which are Hall's best asset in defense. He's got incredible hips. Uh, I think you'll look at more tight. Trying to attack outside the knee or head outside singles, swing singles, and trying to keep Hall from not only draping over, but hipping in, which, which he was able to do so well on that first single to get to the reattack. Uh, I think you're going to look at having to, one, attack below the knee, which, which Valencia can obviously do very well, and try to use angles a bit better as opposed to shooting straight on, because it's really, really tough to score on Mark Hall. Period, but it, it makes it even tougher if you're going to try to shoot from straight on. True, and I, I think that Valencia has the frame with his reach; he can get to those lower leg shots. It just didn't happen for him in this match, so I think that that'll be interesting. Who would you make the favorite if they were to have a rematch at this point? It's tough. There's what there's two and two in college. You looked at the first match came down to with a headgear pull essentially. The second match in the All-Star Classic came down to a third-period takedown by Zahid. Then they both had fairly decisive victories. I think I might lean Zahid, but I can't say that I would pick him with any confidence. I think that's fair. I think I'm pretty much in the same camp. I think until Paul can show that he can score entirely like of his own creation, because, yes, he had that beautiful takedown in the second period, but it still was a counter to Zahid's shot. And I think that... Um, you know, if it comes out and it's just a slow match and low scoring, kind of like the All-Star Classic match, I'm still not 100% sure that he can get the takedown when he needs it. The one area I, I would lean towards Hall is if you get a match like that, if we see something where riding time becomes involved, Zahid Rhodes marked pretty well last year in the finals, but it was over two, two, three times turns on top. He didn't have a long, sustained ride like Hall had this time around. Zahid's going to have to find a way to get up and out early if he wants to, to pull it off in Pittsburgh. And that's for sure. We talked about his frame. I mean, that trying to get out and deal with those uh, mat returns, being, being tall for the weight is kind of a, a negative in that sense. So, yeah, um, definitely some more game planning. I think all the coaches are going to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, all the matches have been uh, exciting and intriguing. So I think it's a good time to be a college wrestling fan. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, you you look at it as 2-2 now in the series, it makes it even more exciting heading into Pittsburgh than it would have been had it been 3-1 or had this been a decisive victory for Valencia. I think now everyone's curious to see how it goes. And I'm also, I, I would pick the Heat, but he's going to have a tough test on his hands in the semifinals if his opponent is, is Miles Amin. I think 
you had talked a little bit about seeding implications, which we may get to later, but that, that's definitely something to keep an eye on here. For sure. I mean, he's another guy tough on top and rides people when he needs to, for sure. But anyway, let's touch on a couple of the other uh, standout matches from the duel. Uh, RBY, Roman Bravo Young at 133. In my opinion, I thought he's looked absolutely great, especially um, with his ability to ride on top. He's just a brick on top of people when he gets on. And uh, uh, Milhoff was coming up in weight for Arizona State, and I don't think that the size disadvantage <laughs> helped him in any way since he was basically outmuscled on the ground. Uh, what, what is your takeaway from that match and RBY's season so far? I think there, there's two main takeaways from both this match and so far and the season so far, as you said. I watched RBY for two years in high school before he had committed to Van State either, and he had never, he wasn't bad on top, but he, was, he generally never had to work that much on top. So I, I think this newfound top game, or at least newly shown top game, is, is a, a huge addition to the equation in terms of how high he might be able to place come March. And two, his variance of attacks. I mean, he scored so many different ways this year from neutral. I mean, he, he can go ankle pick. He can go swing single. He can split the middle. You've seen doubles. You've seen go-behinds. It's just he is a cornucopia of offensive attacks, and that really that opens up a lot to you when you don't have to rely on a single, single shot. Yeah, I mean, I think – like you, I've been surprised by the top game, and I guess I kind of ignored the success he's had on the feed, I guess. Well, not ignored, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's scoring all different kinds of ways. And Melhoff's a guy, you know, coming up in weight, and you'd think maybe he would have a quickness advantage, and I just didn't really see it. I mean, whenever he tried to scramble out of um, RBY's attacks and he tried to counter, there was absolutely nothing there. He shut him down completely. It was very impressive. Yeah, from a sheer athleticism standpoint, I mean, there, there's some great athletes out there. Dave Six being one of the foremost at 133, but I don't know that you're going to find a better pound for pound, or at least better 133-pound athlete, just raw athlete, than Roman Bravo Young. So while he has been impressive and clearly has a strong future, I think it is interesting to try to project his finish this year because the weight is so deep. Um, if you had to make a prediction now of where he would end up, what would it be? I could very comfortably see him in that fifth, sixth match. Uh, right now, I think Gross and Nietzsche, uh as well as Isteriano, I'm not quite ready to put six on the tier of those top three of Gross, Nietzsche, and Seriano. I think he will be there, but I need to see a little bit more, more than the win over Lezak, more than the win over Bridges. We might see that at the Southern Scuffle where he will reportedly be in there with um, Roman Bravo Young. But right now, I think it's a, it's a tier of those three. And the next tier right now I would have would be six, Tariq Wilson of NC State and, and Bravo Young. So I can see him anywhere in that four to six range. But I think there's definitely room for growth. We for growth. We see it before with Penn State freshmen really turning it on the right, at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously Penn State gets blue chip recruits, but at the same time, it seems like a lot of the guys are exceeding expectations. And someone who may have not exceeded expectations so far, but still has a long way to go is Brady Berge. And he picked up uh, probably his biggest win of his young career over Josh Maruka on this. Um, on one hand, he looks solid and Maruka's a guy, you know, who's shown that he's like a borderline All-American kind of guy. But uh I thought Berge was able to control the match and dictate the pace, but he never really got his own offense going. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that performance and his prospects going forward. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a really fair assessment. Um, scored on a couple of drag go behind, mostly off of Maruka's shot. Uh, we know from watching Bergie he can get to his offense when he wants. For those of you who watched him against Austin O'Connor in a best of three to make the, uh, I believe it was the junior world team, you know when he needs to go, he can go. Uh, I think he rested a little tight. It was first match in rec hall, um, first big duel. Uh, Kel Sanderson mentioned it in the post-match that he was happy with the effort, but felt he could have been a little more aggressive. And I think that's a fair assessment. Right now, I think Bergie's absolutely an All-American threat. The weight's just not all that deep. But uh, he's going to have to bring a little more offense to the table in March to, to be able to get break through that level. And you think the weight is settled, right? You think that it's his job for the season, or is that still up in the air? Uh, I don't think anything's sure or written in stone at this point. I mean, they both already used a redshirt year, so you don't need to lock anything up. Uh, I think both will go at Southern Scuffle, but to this point, I think it's, it's, it's looked like Bergie is the, the better of the two options by a good bit. But uh, things are always open to interpretation when, when you hit the Scuffle. All right, so we're going to transition to another guy who, coming into the season, people thought might be a position battle, and he's definitely exceeded expectations, and that's uh, Kasser at heavyweight. He runs through uh, a backup, well, not a backup, but he runs through a lesser-known guy at heavyweight for Arizona State, but I think overall his season has been very impressive with his ability to score, his ability to ride and turn, despite you know being a guy who could easily make, well, not easily, but could make 197, and uh, I think... You know, with the way heavyweight kind of cleared out, he could be one of the top contenders to Gable Stevenson, and I'm very impressed with his performance overall. Yeah, I think we all thought that Kassar would be able to get to legs. We, we thought he'd be one of the more athletic guys at 285, obviously coming up. Uh, I don't think many people thought, or at least I did not, think he would be as big or as strong as he is. He's walking around at 230 to 235. Um, a fully grown 235. Uh, we saw him, for those of you who watched Keystone Classic, kind of blow through a, a full 285-pounder in Joey Goodhart. Uh, he kind of chopped Neville down, which is not easy to do. Um, he dominated Jordan Wood, who I thought outside of Kassar would, might, might be the biggest biggest test for Gable Stevenson. I, I've been a big fan of Jordan Wood, and Jordan Wood just got bigger and stronger as he's been at Lehigh. Um, Kassar just looks far, far better than I think myself or anyone else would have imagined. Yeah, I think it's very telling you bring up the Jordan Wood match. I thought that that's the type of match that would give someone like uh, Kassar trouble because Wood is a quick, you know, strong, but still kind of undersized heavyweight. So I thought that might be, you know, a strength versus strength matchup. And it really didn't turn out to be <laughs> very much of a match at all. So uh, I think there's a lot of high, high hopes there and sort of unexpectedly a championship contender. Yeah, I, I think the match right now that people want to see is Kassar Stevenson. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's Kassar's strength is really what's, what's uh, impressing as Matt wrestling. Had some issues getting out from bottom a couple times early last year at 197. I thought that would be a much bigger issue at 285 and it hasn't been an issue at all. It's also been turning guys, which he never really did at 197. Right, and at heavyweight, I mean, that's a huge asset with the amount of time people spend on top and bottom. So... Yeah, a lot of good stuff to say up and down the lineup for Penn State, as per usual. So I guess that uh, brings us to our final thing we're going to touch on, which is, you know, for Penn State fans, a lot of national titles in recent memory, but uh, is there any team in particular that scares you guys and why? Uh, coming into the year, 
I didn't. I thought. I felt pretty confidently that Penn State would win the national championship. But I thought there was a way where Iowa could make it interesting with enough points from Spencer Lee, from Pat Lugo, Cameron Marinelli. Uh, now with Cameron out injured, with Lugo not looking great, I really there hasn't been a team that has outperformed preseason expectations except for maybe Penn State, who was already expected to win it all. So right now, I, I think. A lot of things. It would need to be more than one thing going wrong for Penn State for anybody to even really be in the discussion. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough for another team. I think with the injuries that Iowa's had, and I think Michigan and Ohio State both sort of have like obvious weaknesses that are going to hold them back. I think in a team race, it's just going to be so tough. But uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to next year. But as we kind of discussed with the ability to develop freshmen and young guys, I think that that might be a tough road too. Couple of people ask me, "Is there when's the end of this run?" And I mean, the old trope is, "Well, yeah, they have to replace Taylor and Ruth, and then it was after replace Shane Rutherford. Now it's they have to replace Nelson Nickel. It just kind of seems like they they keep replacing them with these bonus point machines. You look at a guy like Nintendo Joseph, who I have actually leading my hot race right now, uh, leads the nation in bonus rate, and he's going to be back next year. Uh, Mark Hall will be back next year. You're looking at Bravo Young, Nick Lee, and then you look at a freshman like Aaron Brooks, who could be in the lineup next year, who many people expect to be, I mean, outstanding from the jump. So it's going to be a tough road to hope for, for everybody else as well. And I mean, I guess the obvious question then was, do you think that that's, you know, good or bad for the sport? On on one hand, it is clear domination. And, it, you know, this year especially, it really doesn't seem like there's another contender out there. But on the other hand, I mean, that arena is packed and bumping with 7,000 fans, and it's really becoming a great atmosphere, um, probably one of the best ever, and it's just a great time to be a fan. So it's kind of both ways. Yeah, I, I've long been a proponent, even though people talk about how much they dislike dynasties, I think dynasties and villains, even if you want to go that far, are, are great for sports. You, you need to have that in, in your sport to draw fans. You look at the biggest fan bases, they're always the winners. You look at when home team fans come out, it's, it's when those teams are visiting. You you need to have somebody, it's not to root against, but to, to want to knock off the perch. So I, I think it was great when Iowa was doing it, and I think it's great when Penn State's doing it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Um, it was good to talk Penn State, and it was a great win for the squad on Friday. Anything you want to add here before we get out? Yeah, I just want to mention you guys can follow me on Twitter at I see Sauertig, that's S-A-U-E-R-T-I-E-G. And check out BlackShoeDiaries.com for all your coverage of Penn State wrestling. And for any of you Penn State fans out there, all your coverage of the rest of Penn State athletics. All right, Clay, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.